Hello and welcome to another episode of Dual Boys, a podcast about Dual Boy, a two-player card game designed by Masato Uesugi. I'm Ryan. And I'm Zach. And here we are, Zach, episode two. Who thought we would get this far? I know, right? I, I personally think it's still it's hilarious that we have a Dual Boys <laughs> podcast. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. It's just it's funny to me. I've been trying to to pitch it to people in my game group or people at, at work. And they're like, what is it about? Well, it's about a, a collectible card game. And they go, oh, like Pokemon. I'm like, no, it's it's Dual Boy. It's you got cards and then you take <laughs> cards from other people. And then it just, you know, I'm just like, just listen to the podcast. You'll understand. Yeah, it's just it's Dual Boy. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. It needs no more explanation. Exactly. It's way better than Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in our last episode, we went into how we were introduced to the game, the details of the rules, you know, how the game plays itself, and just some general game discussion. So I wanted to put all that in mind and perspective again, because in this and any future episodes, we aren't going to spend the time to re-explain all the rules again. If you want to hear that, just go back to episode one and you'll be able to hear us talk in full length about them. However... We may repeat some rules if it is necessary in the context of a card or ability as we discuss them in detail, or as always, if I just end up rambling like I'm doing right now and go over a rule without realizing it, <laughs> uh, I will try to avoid to do that as much as possible. With that in mind, though, Zach, episode two, let's get started, right? Let's do this. All right. Actually, before we get real deep into the episode, I do want to mention the website as well there's now a dual boys website the oh no i was just gonna say i cannot believe that this is actually a thing and that it's it's happening <laughs> i'm just very excited for what this means for the future of the game oh, it's fantastic i think it just becomes more and more like with the podcast starting in general like mm -hmm. we sort of joked about it and it became a thing i sort of joked about making a website it became a thing and i just feel like the more this happens the more i'm excited that it keeps happening absolutely so the website that we're talking about is the way you can get English print and play files. So I have created this website. It's a very bare bones, basic website, which I think is kind of fitting for Dual Boy. It's all black and white. <laughs> I like did it over a weekend. And essentially, you can put your email address in and I will send you two unique print and play packs. So you can print them out and play Dual Boy. And it is in English since the original game only had Japanese on them. These are the quote-unquote official unofficial print-and-play paste-ups that I made. I will put the link to the website in the show notes, so if you want to go to it, you should check there. And I do want to mention that I will actually be away from computer access until October 13th. So any requests that you put in from now till then, I won't be able to get to until then. Just know I'll get to it as soon as I can. And you did your due diligence and everything. You reached out to the designer and got permission from them, and it's all good to go. Uh, it's really impressive, and everything looks great, and the cards are easy to understand. So it's just for everybody that wanted to get into the game, and now they kind of get their own little packs to play. And it's not just one. You know, they have two so they can play with friends and stuff like that, go to conventions and play. So now everybody can have access to Dual Boy. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And actually, funny little side story off of that, when I told Masato about the fact that I wanted to make the website to make it easier so we could sort of keep in the spirit of the game of giving people packs versus just all of the cards up front, he absolutely loved it. 
And then once the first episode of Dual Boys came out, I shared it with him and told him, hey, episodes air. It's, it's live if you want to listen to it. And he didn't actually know the name of the podcast at that point. I swear I told him, but I guess I guess not. And he absolutely thought the name was hilarious and he loved it. It's like, I was oh, that's great. This is so good. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Approval of the podcast name and the website. So everything's good and I love it. Yeah. Great stuff. Cool. Well, now let's get deep into episode two. <laughs> so I think the idea was to spend a little bit of time on specific cards and go into detail on them. And I think we talked about it before the show. We are going to do it where we pick two units and one tactic that may change here or there every episode. But because there are more than double units than there are tactics, we thought that's probably the best way to start for now. And to make it easier, we're going to do it alphabetically. Great. Yeah. Zach, would you like to start us off with the first unit? Absolutely. So the first unit that we have uh, is the Astromancer. It is a zero-cost unit. It is one physical, three magical, and passive gonna... ability. Oh, sorry. Did I go too far? No, no, no. I actually want to cut you off because if anybody listens to this, they're going to know in the alphabet, S comes before T. And oh, the shoot. assassin. You're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I went to school for music, so it's, it doesn't come naturally to me. So actually, totally first fair. card. Well, hold on. Doesn't, doesn't music have notes? Doesn't it A, B, C, D, E, F, G? It like, stops at G, though. So we don't get into that S and T nonsense. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So actual first card that we're going to go over today, assassin, is a one-cost unit. Two physical, two magical, passive ability. There is no tech. If there is no tactic... On your opponent's field, physical plus three. Yeah, so right out the gate, I think the passive ability on this is very strong. Mm -hmm. Getting a character up to five strength, whether it's physical or magical, is really big in this game. Mm -hmm. The thresholds usually fine units at is five. Like to get above five is a lot harder to do. Usually you range from zero to three on average, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And five you can get to, but it's definitely hard to come back from. So if this is one of the cards you can lead with right out the beginning of the game, it's great, especially if you're choosing physical. Pick physical, play the assassin. You don't really need to play a tactic and you're already at five strength, putting on a little bit of pressure for your opponent. Mm -hmm. And like we mentioned earlier, there are almost double units and there are the number of tactics currently in the game so that being said each pack pre-made only comes with two tactics in it so it's much more likely that your opponent is unable to play a tactic than they are able to so them not having a tactic on the field giving this card its bonus is going to happen more often than not i would imagine yeah i think i'd agree with that as well now the fact that it costs one is one thing i want to focus on a little bit because in Dual Boy, costs of card is is huge. Mm -hmm. Paying for a card or any additional cost becomes massive. Especially when you play with the right rules. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> when you don't get to reach yeah. out your hand every time and you only get to go through it twice, it is huge. And so I've actually played it a handful of times since we recorded the first episode and playing with the official rules. And oh boy, <laughs> it is so spicy. Mm hmm the limit you have and like how hard it is on you when you play a cost one or two cost card, oh, it's yeah. just, oh, yeah. it, it can hurt now. So when you play something like the assassin, 
knowing that you can get an additional three boost to your strength is great. And you really want to make sure that you can get that triggered. Of course, once your opponent can play a tactic on their turn, it's going to drop your strength down to two. So it usually can make it a little bit easier if they have a lower unit. But that means they're still playing a unit and a tactic on their turn when you could probably have just gotten away with only playing the assassin and just playing one card. So your hand is staying bigger, even though you paid one, your opponent's probably paying anywhere from zero to two themselves mm -hmm. and working their through their hand a little bit quicker. Yeah. The one cost, though, like you said, now that we understand the resource cost and everything, because resources in this game now are such like a finite amount, especially when you can only go through your hand twice. And plus, when you pay for cards, you need to go over cards that you may have wanted to use later on. So one cost could be a big deal, but especially if you get it out early, sometimes that could be just the thing that you need. So I would, I would say that this card is probably a lot better earlier on in the match than later coming up, because by then your opponent likely has a tactic on the table or has better access to a tactic, and then paying that one becomes even more costly later on in the match. No, I 100% would agree with that. Mm. I think the, like you said, that having no tactic advantage, trying to play it as early as possible mm. for that cost is important. And I'd almost wonder if, like, as the opponent against the assassin, do you almost just give up? Mm. Like they, you play the assassin your first turn, mm -hmm. and it's my turn. Do I just pass, let you score the assassin? It goes face down. You don't have access to it at all anymore. You spent one to get it on the board. I mean, sure, you got a victory point, which is good. You're third of the way to winning. Mm -hmm. But again, because of how quickly you can run through your hand... Do you waste time yeah. playing down two cards to try and beat it? Yeah, that's true, because then at that point, they've already paid one for it, and now they're down one card total from having the victory point. I could really, you know, punish them later on in the match. Um, I guess it depends a lot on what your deck is comprised of. Like, if I know I only have one or two tactics, then I might just give up on the first match because I want to get them out there. Like, if they're key to my strategy or the other cards in my deck that I have. But if I have, you know, higher than average amount of tactics, maybe I don't worry about it and just try to push through in the first round anyway uh, and make them suffer for putting up that card early, reducing it back down to two, because that could be really handy because now you're getting your tactic out there and maybe you set yourself up better for success and then force whoever plays the assassin to react to you. Yeah, 100%. So another card, I don't want to go into detail because it's a tactic that we'll talk about later down the road, but I think a card that combos really well with the assassin is Feast. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think Feast is probably one of the best tactics. We might need and to spend an entire episode just on Feast. A hundred percent. It's so, it's so good. You, uh, man, I think it can combo well with every unit, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But the Assassin getting the plus three physical, putting you at five total. The Feast has a one strength uh, physical boost. So you're playing a total of six. The thing is, though, Feast also costs one. So you're paying two to do this. But Feast's thing is it lets you score both your unit and your tactics. So you're getting two victory points. If you can get that in your starting hand, play the Assassin, play Feast, like it's a huge gamble, but you might be able to get two victory points right out the gate mm -hmm. if your opponent can't catch up to six or if they can't play a tactic themselves, then, you know, dropping your Assassin back down to two, they might have to give up. So like that, that could be a really fun 
uh, opening hand you might try and mulligan for if you have those two cards together. Yeah, you can really put them on their heels early if you already are up two points. Then all you need is just that third one, and you who knows how the how the reshuffle might go down, you know, or who's gonna take what option physical or magic, and then it could be anything. So yeah, getting up two with feast, man, it's just feast is a wild card. <laughs> yeah, it is, and that actually brings me up to an interesting thought because in the Normal rules, there's nothing about looking at your opponent's deck, their seven cards before the game starts. Mm. Like I don't like I feel like at this point it's going so far down the like really aggressive tournament mode mm. that you're thinking. So like I, I don't think you need to do this, but it I think it would be interesting, like if you had an assassin and feast in your deck, like as your opponent, I'd probably like to know that beforehand, because then maybe I do mulligan if I don't have a tactic in my first four cards, because mm. obviously you can only play your first three cards, but as soon as you play one, your fourth one becomes your third. Mm. So like knowing that I would want to mulligan for that might be something that's important mm. to, to keep track of. Yeah. On the flip side of that, if you are, you know, someone that is running assassin, you might really want to know how many tactics the other player has. And if you're able to look at their deck and understand, you know, what the ratio of tactics to non-tactics are, being able to put that assassin might be way more important than not. Yeah, if you're just against a seven-card tactic deck. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a, it'll be a discussion at Dual Boy World Championships uh, coming to Heck yeah. your, a city near you sometime, maybe, in the next yeah. future. Who knows? 2024, we're going to make it happen. It. There's a Sheets gas station somewhere between Dayton and Pittsburgh. It'll be right there. Heck yes. So I, I don't think we actually explained that on the first episode. So we're probably going to joke about it a lot. And I think like we do with every joke, it's going to become real. I'm, I'm certain that it will. Mm. So when Zach and I were playing Dual Boy at PGC Con, like everything else, we've been joking about doing stuff. And we joked that we would meet halfway to each other. He lives in Ohio. I live in Pennsylvania. And we were going to meet halfway at a random Sheets gas station and just play in the parking lot. And it's going to happen one day. And that's where the world championships are going to be held. <laughs> Dual Boy Con 2024. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'm sure Sheets Corporate will love it. They'll totally agree. They'll sponsor it. Heck yeah. yeah. Get Sheets to sponsor Dual ooh, Boy 2024. Ooh. Big Oil sponsoring a small collectible <laughs> Japanese card game podcast. Oh man, we're going to be rolling in the riches soon. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, was there anything else you wanted to cover on the Assassin? Or? No, I think it's a pretty straightforward card. It doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean bad, but I just think, you know, it's, it is what it says and it's good. Yeah, totally. Well, as Zach already spoiled a little bit, our next unit in alphabetical order is going to be the Astromancer. This is a zero-cost unit, has a physical strength of one, magical strength of three, and has a passive ability. Your opponent cannot summon tactics. Now, only if you could play two units together and have the Assassin and Astromancer together, that would be so good. And almost like they planned it that way in the design. Right? Be too broken otherwise. Absolutely. Now, first thing I want to talk about on the Astromancer is actually the art. Mm -hmm. The This might be my favorite card art in the game. The dragon is super cool looking, mm -hmm. but the Astromancer just is so out of this world. 
literally like it's got like a portal in the top of the part that's like going into space with it looks like another planet behind it yeah it looks like a black hole that's swallowing saturn and he has yeah yeah and he has like an orb head <laughs> looks like a magical orb or something and yeah it just looks super cool so every time i see this one it, it just makes me happy looks like the most hardcore uh uh what's that really hard video game that people like um i'm really bad at it it's like medieval you fight really hard bosses oh uh dark souls dark souls it looks like the yeah. like the most hardcore dark souls boss <laughs> that exists yeah but like a combination between that and mysterio yes like spider-man's yes. villain <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yes. So uh, going into the card <laughs> itself, as you mentioned, the passive ability is your opponent cannot summon tactics. So that's pretty big. Mm -hmm. Tactics usually don't have a lot of strength to them on their own. Most of them are zero zeros. Some of them have one, but they have really good abilities. Mm -hmm. And not being able to summon tactic at all can be really, really powerful to stop that from happening. Of course, the Astromancer is really weak on physical strength, so you need to make sure that it's magical during the battle to get it at at least a base three. So right out the gate, if you're talking about uh, the physical, it's probably going to be an easy thing that your opponent can defeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, it does cost zero, and I think that ability is is pretty strong for zero cost because, like we were just talking about, imagine being able to turn Feast off completely. You know, no more free bonus points for your opponent or, you know, the next card that we're going to talk about. That's a pretty uh, powerful tactic as well. You just get to turn off all those abilities. They could have planned, you know, their their hand around being able to put out a tactic. And now they have to deal with this uh, before they can even get that momentum going. Um, so I think for zero cost, that passive ability alone. And if you get to be magic instead of physical, it's just even more on top of that. Yeah, and there's, of course, the Dusk tactic mm -hmm. that can allow you to, to change it from magical to physical. So if you have that combination together, that can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Try and plan it if it is on physical to, to drop it over. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think this is a, a unit you could play by itself and give your opponent a run for their money on seeing if they can match unit for unit and at least get three magical or, or more yeah. to, to keep it going. Yeah, now I have a god through all the numbers and all the cards, but have you found that there is any lean one way or the other on magic or physical, or do they seem to be pretty balanced from what you've seen? Yeah, I think it's pretty balanced overall. Uh, there's like some character that's really strong and magical and weak and physical. There's another or a unit, excuse me. There's another unit that's basically flip flop of that. Mm -hmm. That is this, the strength of magical is physical and physical is magical or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like the Minotaur and Medusa are basically, twinsies just opposite strength and, and magical mm -hmm. or physical and magical okay well that's good to know um just you know in case people have too many magic cards or too many physical cards it's good that it's it's a nice happy medium because it really makes that decision on whoever gets to decide more important because you have to plan out for the rest of your hand yeah what that battle will be mm -hmm. yeah and of course that comes down to what cards you have in your deck since it is a small seven card deck mm. if it's the first time you're getting it there's only going to be five cards in there for units mm. so it's possible you might have a really magic heavy or physical heavy or you might have a good mix of everything but as you start to win or lose and you're swapping cards out that's going to change and sometimes it's up to you how you want it to change maybe you want to go crazy heavy into one thing mm -hmm. and 
hope your opponents weaken that and you can choose whatever that is and, and keep it going long enough to get you your victory points or last the whole game. Yeah, that'd be really cool to to see. You know, that's why we want to see these pop up at bigger events or get more, you know, analytics on what people are playing just so we can know like, oh, the quote unquote meta is shifting hardcore physical units because maybe there's a couple of units that people are favoring and they happen to be strong and physical and people decide to, you know, play more magic units so that way they can throw off that balance between the two. But who knows? We have a long time till worlds. Of course, yeah. there's plenty of uh, time left to do all the analytics. Exactly. <laughs> to get that down. <laughs> oh, God, it's so funny. It is. So silly. It's the, uh, you know, I, love it. I, I play I play a lot of Android <laughs> Netrunner and uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, and they have their own database websites. You know, it's like Arkham DB, Netrunner DB. We just got to start Dual Boy DB, DB, DB. <laughs> that way we can, you know, have people make their decks. Oh, that's or so perfect. Upload what their decks are. I know. We got to get on that because I think it's probably the same organizers that run all those database websites because it's, you know, there's a Marvel Champion. Champions DB and, and all they all have the same kind of format for a database website. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. 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 See how easy it is. I Because I know I really want to do something like that. We sort of mentioned before how you could like track or travel cards where they've yeah. been traced or whatnot. Yeah. That's going to be a little harder to do because you have to put like serial numbers or QR codes like individually on things. And I know personally, I don't have the time to do that myself on every card. Yeah. But something like DBDB, <laughs> I think would be more possible. When, when the sheets money starts coming in, we can hire interns and things like that. There we go. Now you're thinking. Exactly. I, I have the long term plan for the short term podcast. Heck yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> the podcast might only be 12, 20 episodes. Who knows? Might be longer. But Worlds is going to happen year after year after year. Forever. We're going to support this game. It's going to, we're going to have Disney Duel Boy, DDB. Um, oh, baby. I know. Imagine that. Lorcana and Duel Boy mixed together. They'll be burning down that convention center in Indianapolis. Yeah, we'll give them a run for their money for sure. Exactly. Look out. <laughs> oh, well, do we want to move on to the next card, which is going to be the tactic of the episode? Let's do it. So Blight is a zero-cost tactic. It is zero physical, zero magic. It's passive ability. Your opponent's units cost one more to summon. That is spicy. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, pretty particularly the nasty, especially if they also cannot summon tactics. <laughs> uh, so if you have Astromancer out, they already can't play tactics, and you're making all their units that they play cost one more. It's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna be tough to overcome. Yeah, there's absolutely a reason why Blight has zero mm -hmm. strength for magical and physical because that ability is already super good on its own. Yeah, absolutely. Turning a two cost into a three cost is that's a half of your hand. That's wild. That's insane. I know. So it, it is there a strategy in if you're going first, you just put out blight to make your opponent's stuff cost more, even though it's gonna die as soon as they play something. But just to A, put them at a disadvantage by paying more, and B, now you know exactly what they're putting out there, so you know what to overcome. Or should you always just put blight out there with something else? Just to protect it for as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a situational thing mm -hmm. based on what units they might be placing out because there are absolutely certain units that you'd want them to just, like you said, waste to get it out mm -hmm. there and know what you're fighting against. But depending on when the game is, if you play that too early, 
it might be something you'd want to keep like that, you know, trick up your sleeve yeah. at the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. When you when you might be worried that you can't do something, mm. holding on to blight then and, and playing it and then trying to force your opponent to run out of cards yeah. Yeah. faster than you. That's true, because I guess if they only have two resources left to play, you put out blight on your turn, and the only card they have that could send them over the top is already a two cost card, which would be three. They have to forfeit that round, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. so yeah, it could be pretty detrimental depending on the timing of when it's done. I think it, it could still be a good opening card, mm -hmm. though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just getting rid of it, especially like if you have the Hermit, which I think is a good combo for this one. The Hermit is a unit that allows you to pay one to play a tactic from your discard pile. So you play Blight early, make your opponent pay extra for their unit. It gets discarded after an attack. You play Hermit, you get the tactic right back out, and your opponent's units cost another one to summon. Yeah. So you only pay one to get your Blight out twice. Mm -hmm. And then... It could be super good. Yeah, you could lose that first match because you're putting out weak stuff like the Hermit and Blight twice and paying for it. But think about what you're going to cost your opponent by doing that. You know, they have to deal with Blight not just once, but two times, and then they spent too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deciding on whether to play or not to spend that extra resource. Mm -hmm. Like we said, not only once, but twice yeah. is a, a huge decision to make. So maybe you just accept the defeat on the second time it's played yeah. and just make sure it's gone. Get rid of it. Which, who, in what other card game does a 0-0 zero, zero cause somebody to contemplate forfeiting? <laughs> right? None. Only in Duel Boy. Only in the most amazing <laughs> game known as Duel Boy. Exactly. The... I guess we didn't really go over. So I, I don't know if we want to include in all of our stuffs because we did with the Astromancer, the card art itself. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we want to actually have commentary on it, but the Blight one is a little scary. It, it I it's it's given me some uh, steampunk, some you know. Is, is there a term for for uh, like? What's it reminds name? me of. Uh, I was gonna say it reminds me of Sand People. Okay, from Star Wars. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, the Tusken Raiders. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Maybe from like the Star Wars Legends, like the comics before everything became <laughs> canonized. It's wild. I love how there's not really any cohesive like world thread through any of these cards because we have the outer space and the Astromancer, and then we have the generic <laughs> fantasy of the assassin, and then the uh whatever the rejected daft punk member that blight is <laughs> yeah could be a part of the dune universe too i think Ooh, for blight absolutely seems like it might fit there and then the assassin lady she's just staring you down i know yeah she's pretty scary maybe that's how she gets her extra strength oh yeah staring at you yeah yeah because that that stare would prevent me from playing a tactic in real life <laughs> I'm I'm one I'm one to use tactics in my everyday life. Just you know how I go about, uh, and then that stare would disarm me from doing that for sure. Yeah, it's very powerful stare. <laughs> well, those were the three cards: A assassin, astromancer, and blight. Two units and a tactic. I think that is pretty good time frame and enough cards to talk about. I think that seems like what we'll probably do going forward. Yeah. Now yeah. there may be you know. Uh, uh, whole episodes that are just a feature of one card like Feast or we need to wax poetic about how amazing the dragon is for an episode who knows of course some cards yeah. do deserve their own episode even if exactly. there's only two minutes to talk about it it's going to be the best <laughs> two minute episode ever absolutely <laughs> awesome 
Well, was there anything else you wanted to include on these three cards before we wrap it up? Uh, if you get a blight, don't win too much because you might lose it. Uh, it's a pretty sweet card. Or, you know, lose it and then get a different card because you didn't deserve to have blight in the first place. Very true. Man, could you imagine Absolutely. Could you imagine double blight? Ooh. Having multiple, I heard tri- triple? I've heard triples are best. <laughs> triples are best. That's what I've heard, as as every reaction in that Discord has told me about buying multiple <laughs> copies of things. Of course. <laughs> could you imagine three blights in your, in your deck? I mean, like I feel like you'd lose, though, because even though like it makes your opponent pay one more every time, it's zero strength. If we were really concerned about winning and losing, this is the wrong game. True. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a silly deck, and that's what I'm here for. I want exactly. that. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's true. Way to bring it back in. I appreciate it. Hey, that. you know, we, we come full circle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think with that in mind, then that's a perfect stopping point for the episode. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to episode two of Dual Boys. Once again, I'm Ryan, been joined by I'm Zach. And we will see you on the next episode. See ya.